We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest, covering the Oregon Ducks for Sports Illustrated over on Fan Nation. Joining me on today's episode of the podcast is Ducks Digest reporter Dylan Rubenking, and we are here to talk about the big news that came out of Eugene on Sunday afternoon. Former Auburn quarterback Bo Nix will be an Oregon Duck in 2022. Uh, you know, this news coming just a little over a week after he entered the portal, I believe. And uh, wow, Dylan, it really feels like, uh, you know, all these storylines around the 2022 season are already kind of uh, coming to fruition or they're giving us plenty to talk about. And the Ducks haven't even played in the Alamo Bowl yet. Yeah, it's crazy that there's so much going on and there's still a game left to be played. I mean, it feels like we're already in full swing in the offseason. But man, imagine saying that sentence that you just said about Bo Nix is going to be an Oregon Duck back in you know the fall of, of 2019 when, when he went up against Oregon in his first start. So a lot to take in, you know, a lot of uh feelings i've been trying to gather in the last uh 24 hours plus since the news came out so i'll try to see if i've I've got them uh concise and um you know somewhat that makes sense i guess we do have a a lot of news coming out uh, of eugene uh whether it be men's women's basketball the the football team uh the transfer portal recruiting i mean we've just been going going it feels like nonstop uh, this past week but before we really dive into this Bo Nix news we do have a couple updates that we got out of Eugene this morning uh, interim head coach Brian McClendon speaking with the media um, in preparation for the Alamo Bowl on December 29th in San Antonio a couple injury updates that we got um, we learned that uh, safety Steve Stevens and offensive lineman Ryan Walk are not practicing currently um, as well as, uh, um, or not, I shouldn't say as well as, so they're not practicing currently, and Brian McClendon gave them the questionable at best designation, and then he kind of lumped in Keith Brown uh, as another guy that was kind of uh, under that same um, designation heading into the, the Alamo Bowl. This is their last practice uh, before they head out to Eugene. I believe they head out on uh, Christmas morning, which is pretty crazy just when you're looking at travel itinerary. So that's, you know, that's just got to be tough because you know the players want to be with their families. So they get a little bit of a break here before they hit the road. Um, and then um, another update that we got, Dylan, which wasn't really much of an update, actually, was a, was about Brian McClendon's future. He was asked if he uh, had made a decision, 
and he was more or less non-committal once again. You know, wasn't uh, confirming or deny- denying anything, um, which was just weird. You know, uh, a lot of people saw that uh, screen grab of uh, his name on a. I don't know if it was the official Miami website. It looked pretty official, but it was a Miami Hurricanes website, and uh, his name was was uh, on there. And then I don't believe it's there anymore. I haven't been able to find it. But, uh, you know, people on Twitter are, are all over everything. So there was a little screenshot there. And um, he was saying, I don't know how that got out there. Uh, anything that's out there hasn't come from me. Uh, he went as far as saying, I think that everyone that's talking about it on social media, more or less, I think they're talking about it more than I've kind of thought about it. So um, he was saying it wouldn't be fair to the guys and to the team for his attention to be elsewhere. And um, kept saying that his focus is on the bowl game. Yeah, so I'm actually looking right now and doing my journalistic due diligence here. Um, the only name from the Oregon head coaching staff from this past season is Cristobal. Uh, Mirabal is not even on there. McClendon is not either. So um, the one thing that kind of stood out to me, and I just heard it for the first time a couple minutes ago, was um, that he didn't necessarily deny anything with the Miami thing. That doesn't mean it's, you know, it's true. He's going to Miami kind of thing. But um, usually you hear coaches say, you know, I'm not going here. I'm not, you know, I, I, I like that his focus was still on Oregon and the guys and that kind of thing. And, you know, I'm sure it's a, it's a tough decision, but um, I was kind of looking for some sort of denial, which I think he might've done last week. If I remember right, I think he said, I haven't, you know, I'm not going anywhere yet. Um, but I never heard that. Old. Yeah. As, okay. as, as far as just, as far as just what we're hearing out of Eugene, it's been very, you know, non-committal neutral. I didn't want to cut you off, but um you know, I, I haven't heard anything from being at these pressers. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it, it's kind of crazy because when a new head coach goes somewhere, you kind of expect the whole team to go with them. Um, and of course, with the bowl game still left to play and you, you're left with, you know, early signing period and all that, um, you know, it, it's going to take a little bit for all those pieces to fall into place. But, um, you know, obviously, I hope McClendon stays, you see all the energy that uh, the players bring him on Twitter and they talk about him during the pressers. So um, hopefully he gets to stay and help develop that young receiver core. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of good pieces already in place. Uh, another bit of news uh, talking about wide receivers, Dylan, Micah Pittman transferring to Florida state uh, kind of interesting since uh, it looked like it looked like Dillingham, I believe from the pictures that Pittman posted came out to see him in Eugene. And uh, he was tweeting about playing against him in Madden. Um, so kind of interesting that, uh, he's going to Tallahassee and then the Ducks just got the Florida state offensive coordinator to be, uh, their new offensive coordinator, uh, as well as quarterbacks coach. So that's, uh, those are kind of the updates that we have, uh, as far as new information today. Uh, also forgot to ask, you know, if you guys are to say, if you guys are tuning into the show on the live stream on youtube.com slash Oregon football, Max Taurus, thanks so much for tuning in. Um, definitely get in the live chat and let me know how you're feeling about uh, this Bo Nix news and just the state of the Oregon program uh, looking at heading towards the Alamo bowl. We're seeing a lot of guys declare for the NFL draft. Uh, Mikel Ray and Devin Williams being the latest ones to make that call coming out of Eugene. So the ducks are going to have their cornerbacks depth tested as well as their wide receiver depth tested. And then if you guys are watching on the replay, thanks so much for watching. Go ahead and leave me a comment and let me know. Uh, what you think about the Bo Nix news as well. So, um, yeah, to just start it there, Dylan, I mean, I, uh, I, I like this move for Oregon. I mean, I, I wouldn't go as far as saying Bo Nix is the best transfer portal quarterback or 
the best quarterback available in the transfer portal rather. Um, but we've been seeing a lot of movement in the transfer portal lately. And I think that it was smart for the Ducks to bring in uh, an experienced quarterback uh, because the, the guys that they have right now, not to say that they're not talented guys, but they have basically played no college football except for that one half that Ty Thompson has played. So I think it's good because you want to give yourself um, you know, some stability as far as uh, the depth goes at the quarterback position. And um, you, we all know how important it is that, that you have a, a solid guy uh, running the offense back there. So it's, it's nice to me because uh, it just, it shows that these young guys, you know, they're, they're not going to be able to just be given the, the court, the starting quarterback job. It's, I would assume that it's going to be, you know, an, an open competition and it's kind of just, for me, it's saying, you know, if, if you're, if you're the real deal, you'll, you'll earn the starting job next year to, to all those quarterbacks in the room. Nick's included. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, you know, I don't think, like you said, I don't think it's, he's the best quarterback available in the transfer portal, but I do think it is smart given the schedule that they're going to have next year. Cause you, you take an sec quarterback and you, you know, your first game is against Georgia going in there and he's played that Georgia defense before. That's not really the only reason, but I do think that having the sec experience and going up against some of the toughest defenses in the country week after week, um, that's definitely going to bode well. And, you know, he's been a college quarterback for three years, been the starter pretty much the whole time that he's been healthy. So, um, you know, I, I do think that it's going to help him even to be kind of out of the SEC shadow and that national spotlight, I think. I mean, you come to Oregon, you're still going to kind of have that. But, you know, his father played at uh, quarterback at Auburn. You know, you go up against teams like Alabama and Georgia where the whole country is watching. I just feel like some of that's going to be lifted a little bit. And then he's kind of in that mentor role with, you know, the young quarterback room going to be able to help develop them with an old offensive coordinator for once. I mean, he's had three different offensive coordinators in three years at Auburn. Um, so I think a little bit of that stability and familiarity is going to help him. Yeah, you you mentioned getting out of the the SEC. I mean, the, the Pac-12 isn't exactly overflowing with really talented defenses. You know, Washington was really solid for, for much of the year. Um, Oregon was, was pretty hot and cold. They started the year super strong and then kind of dipped off a little bit after we saw a bunch of injuries. So it really made it hard to get a good feel for them. But yeah, just look at the competition that Bonex is going to be going up against. And I don't think it's a stretch by any means to say that it's not as good as what he's going up against in the SEC. So it's, it's, uh, I think that bodes well for him to, to have some success. And, uh, you also mentioned the, the familiarity with Dillingham. I think that's really good. Um, I think kind of a point that I've heard is that it's it just gives you a floor for the the Oregon offense, right? You know, you know, you at least have Bo Nix, and um, if not, you know, maybe one of the the freshmen wins the job, and that kind of opens a whole a whole another uh, level of the offense, which I think is something a lot of people want to see. What I like the most, I'd say, about Bo Nix is just his gamer mentality, like just how how tough he is when he's playing the game. Um, the one play that I've, I included in the piece that I wrote on Ducks Digest, Torres's take, what the addition of Bo Nix means for Oregon. Um, it was a play where he had this, this absolutely insane touchdown against LSU where he scrambled in the pocket, uh, outside the pocket, I should say for like probably 10 seconds, you know, from snap to throw. And then as he was heading to the sideline, just huffed it. And, um, you know, had just an absolutely insane touchdown. And I, I mean, that's not to say that you can count on that every play or every game, but 
the dude just makes it happen. And I think that um, even though he probably needs to, you know, tone things in, tone things down a little bit and, and maybe be a little bit better with his decision-making. I think that the, the ducks really need a guy who who's going to be aggressive. That was one of the things that I was pretty frustrated about when I was watching the Oregon offense is just Anthony Brown wasn't taking a lot of risks. And it's not saying that you need to be going out there making stupid throws and everything, but with the crazy wealth of skill talent that the ducks had this year, they, they deserve that. They deserve to, to be playing with a guy that, that is going to try to get them the ball and, and let them really, um, you know, showcase their, their abilities. And I think that's one of the things that's most encouraging about uh, having a guy like Bo Nix in his quarterback room. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people have been kind of debating the, you know, when Anthony Brown was coming to the program versus now Bo Nix coming into the program and kind of their situation. And I think the one thing that differentiates Bo Nix's situation from Anthony Brown's is I still think Bo Nix hasn't fully reached his potential yet. Um, I think Anthony Brown, we kind of already knew what he was going to be. And I don't think what he did this year was, um, you know, anything more than what we expected. I think Bo Nix, you know, given three different offensive coordinators, not a whole lot of, you know, correctly utilized skill position there either. Offensive line was always inconsistent. You know, you go up against crazy SEC defense after crazy SEC defense. Um, I still think that the best is yet to come for Bo Nix in his career and coming off of this injury. And, um, you know, I think if he gets that starting job, I think he'll be in a better situation. Um, And then with Dillingham, I do think Oregon's offense is not going to be too entirely different. But one thing that I liked when watching some film was they are a lot more aggressive than this Oregon offense was this season. And I do think that, you know, there's still kind of that run pass option feel there was a lot of read option with Bo Nix um, in 2019, back when Dillingham was the offensive coordinator. A lot of people have been making the note that Bo Nix, his best season was with coach Dillingham as his offensive coordinator. Um, but at the same time, I still think that, you know, we shouldn't expect Bo Nix to come to Eugene and be elite right away, kind of turn into a Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray kind of elite transfer quarterback. But I do think that the best is yet to come for him, given the offensive line is going to be a lot better. The skill position, um, the receiver depth, tight end depth, running back depth even is going to be its most talented since he's been in college, really. And so I do think that with everything around him, with Coach Dillingham, I think Bo Nix is set up to succeed more than he's ever been, for sure. Yeah, he has a, a lot of uh, good pieces to work with at Oregon. Um, you're looking at the offensive line, uh, George Moore and Malisala, Amave, Laulu um, are going to be moving on. But uh, the Ducks have been playing a lot of guys in that rotation. Uh, you know, you look at Jackson Powers Johnson, Dawson Jaramillo as some guys that uh, could help slide in next year. Alex Forsythe has already said that he's going to be coming back next year. So you have stability at the most important, one of the most important positions uh, along the offensive line. You know, argument can be made there, right, between a left tackle protecting the quarterback's blind side and the center, who's kind of like the quarterback of the offensive line. Um, but I think that that's huge to have a guy that uh, is a veteran at the center spot as they break in a new starting quarterback. You know, whoever ends up winning the job, it's going to be somebody who's never started at Oregon. Um, and I think you make a good point about the skill positions and uh, the talent there that he's going to have to work with. I mean, it looks a lot different than it did just two weeks ago. You have uh, Devin Williams, who's declared for the draft, um, as well as um, Mike Pittman leaving. 
So those are two people that aren't going to be there. And then Johnny Johnson, the third and Jalen red, aren't going to be there. So this is an opportunity for a lot of these young guys to step up, you know, Troy Franklin, Dante Thornton. Um, those are some of the true freshmen that have been getting a, a lot of uh, run here in the past couple of weeks. And then Isaiah Crocker has been getting some uh, pretty good playing time as well. Seth McGee getting some work out there in the slot. And then we'll see what they can do with this 2022 recruiting class. You know, they, they did have four wide receivers committed at one point. Three of them have since flipped to other schools. Nicholas Anderson to Oklahoma, Isaiah Satania to Arkansas. And then Ted Tyrone McMillan, uh, just Friday on signing day, he flipped his commitment to Arizona to uh, play with some, where he'll be able to play with some of his teammates from Servite uh, out there in Tucson. So I think that we're seeing a lot of movement there and, there's still going to be some quality wide receivers in the 2022 class that the Ducks can go after, as well as in the transfer portal. Um, you know, head coach Dan Lanning saying that the, tra- the transfer portal isn't the only, the only place we're going to be shopping, right? You know, Dylan, you had that piece uh, that you wrote a little while ago where he kind of laid out his plans for the transfer portal. Um, and I think that they're still going to be able to make some noise here with uh, the second signing day in February. But um Let's see, what else, what else can we talk about with this? I mean, we could talk about um, the numbers that, that Bo Nix put up you know, this year. I think that's always a nice place to, uh, to kind of start this reference um, because I think it makes a lot of sense. You, know, you don't want to make the direct comparison between Anthony Brown and Bo Nix as far as their play style, but it, it makes a lot of sense to look at who could be the starting quarterback next year and Bo Nix potentially and how he produced versus how this year's starter Anthony Brown produced. So... It's worth noting that Knicks did not play an entire season this year in 2021. He did suffer a season-ending ankle injury against Mississippi State in uh, mid-November, I believe it was. So he only played in 10 games, but in those 10 games, he threw for, um, let's see here, he threw for 2,294 yards and 11 touchdowns uh, against three interceptions this year. Uh, And then he had uh, a 61% completion rate and uh, averaged 229.4 yards per game. So I'd say, you know, overall, that's that's pretty solid, especially when you look at only three three interceptions. And then he also uh, contributed a little bit on the ground with his legs. Um, let's see here. I'm looking for the, the rushing statistics. Give me just a second here. Um, hundred, sorry, 57 carries for 168 yards, four touchdowns, averaging 2.9 yards a carry and 16.8 yards per game. So maybe we can just start there. I know you were watching a little bit of film. You mentioned Dylan, um, just maybe some thoughts on uh, what you've been able to uh, gather about Bo Nix statistically. And then by looking at him at Auburn a little bit. Yeah, I really like his uh, kind of, I wouldn't call him a dual threat quarterback really, but I do think that he has the ability to get out and run. And back in 2019, I remember seeing a lot of run pass option, a lot of read option stuff. Um, He was fooling, offense or falling defense is quite a bit with that. Um, but I do think that there is a lot to be desired, a lot left to be desired with the passing offense. Um, you know, they never finished higher than eighth in the SEC in passing offense while Bo Nix was there. Um, and obviously the SEC has like crazy talented offenses out there. I mean, so that's not a huge slight to him or the offense um, at all. But I do think that, you know, he has that gunslinger mentality. I think that's something that Oregon's been lacking since Justin Herbert. And even then they were kind of, I don't want to say holding him back, but I don't know how else to put it. I think they were putting him, holding him back quite a bit. So I do think that he's going to take those risks. He doesn't turn the ball over a whole lot. 
Um, you know, he he's made better decisions this season, I think, more than his previous two. Um, his freshman year, you remember the Oregon game. You know, he kind of turned into a budding star. I think Auburn thought they had something special coming, and you know, he saw flashes, but not a really consistent passer. Uh, never hit sixty percent in a season until this year, um, and it was just barely over sixty percent. So streaky, um, but there are flashes, and like I said, I do think the best is yet to come. Um, but I don't think that he's going to be a guy who's going to put up, you know, 30 touchdowns, maybe a guy that's going to put up 4,000 yards. I I don't think that that's going to be, um, you know, his ceiling, but I do think that he's going to be effective enough and, um, you know, get the ball downfield to, you know, the talent that this Oregon team is going to have and hopefully have, you know, in the, in the transfer portal and in the recruiting trail too. Plenty of talent for him to, to work with, um, and then another thing that I think is worth mentioning, um, you, know, you look at 2019 being his best statistical year at Auburn, he beat Alabama that year and that's in the Iron yeah. Bowl. And that's that's not something that um, you know many Auburn teams do. Uh, it is worth mentioning that you know he didn't have the best game that year. Uh, so that was 15 for 30 uh, with 173 yards and a touchdown, no interceptions, and then uh, six carries for 44 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Um, but I think just having a guy that has that kind of experience is going to be really valuable um, because all these guys, like we've kind of said over and over again, are uh, pretty inexperienced um, at Oregon. And that's not to say that they're not talented or anything, but you, you want to have the, that competition, iron sharpens iron, you know, the, the, the best person's hopefully going to win the job. Um, we did have some, some questions that I wanted to, to get here to here, Dylan, um, you know, heading into the Alamo Bowl and, and talking about this Bo Nix transfer. Um, so what do you say? Should we hit some of those? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So a question from AD. Should we be worried about our current depth at wide receiver? Um, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if I'd say worried necessarily, but it's definitely, I don't think it's where it, it needs to be for sure, but it's just a, a crazy end to the season with uh, JJ3 and Red getting hurt and then Pittman transferring um, and then Devin Williams opting out, you know, it, it felt like he was just hitting his stride uh, as a wide receiver and, and Anthony Brown was getting him the ball quite a bit. So I think that his decision to declare for the draft was a little questionable just because it felt like he was just starting to reach his potential at Oregon. But I think that he's a guy that, that has a lot of those characteristics and he's going to test well um, to, to be an NFL caliber wide receiver. I don't know how high he'll get drafted because his, you know, the production isn't necessarily there. Like I was kind of just saying, but, um, there's a lot of promising, t- uh, talent at wide out. Um, you know, they just kind of need to, uh, put it together here and we really haven't seen what they're able to do outside of getting passes that are, you know, 10, 15 yards from the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I think, um, I think there's a lot of lottery tickets at wide receiver that are unscratched, to be honest with you. I think Dante Thornton and Troy Franklin have the abilities and skills to be, you know, wide receiver one and two, whichever way you want to put them. I think Chris Hudson has a lot in front of him. I really like Isaiah Brevard. Um, I think he's going to be into the rotation next year. I want to see Seven McGee kind of be maybe in that Jalen Red, uh, Jalen Red role. So, um, and then I, the one thing that does concern me though is that with all that talent that they were going to have in 2022, none of them stayed except for Stefan Johnson, um, which I'm very excited about Boogie uh, coming to town. But um, 
you know, T-Mac was one. I was I was thinking he was going to be a future, you know, NFL receiver for Oregon. I thought he would have been probably a wide receiver one at some point coming to town. Really, really excited about Satania and his his speed and uh, his hands and just his ability overall in the field. And, you know, he kind of brought back that Oregon track speed, you know, those track athletes that they had back in 2012, 2013. You were going to kind of get that explosive feel back with him. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Obviously, you kind of expected guys to hit the transfer portal after, you know, the coaching staff shake up. But uh, um, to be worried, I'm not sure. I think the transfer portal has a ton of talent. I think there are some guys that, um, you know, I think that should be one of the top positions to, to look out for for the transfer portal. Um, and there's still a lot of guys out there in the recruiting trail. Kevin Coleman, I think, is probably the top target now that Darius Clemens is off the board. So there's a lot to happen next year. Um, I think with this bowl game might be a chance to see some of those young, talented guys step up. Um, I'm really, really excited for Thornton and Franklin to be out there and hopefully utilize to, you know, their full potential. We can kind of see some flashes and, you know, hope for next year. We haven't seen Josh Delgado very much either this year. You know, he's another guy who was kind of uh, coming into the fold here. It looks like we might have lost uh, Dylan there. So we'll see if he can uh, get back in the stream, but we're we're still we're still going, so nothing to worry about. All right, looks like we got him back. All right, we got him back. Um, I, I just exited out of the wrong window, so that's my bad. No worries, no worries. But yeah, I talked about Josh Delgado being a guy who contributed a decent amount last year, but uh, we've hardly seen any of them this year. So that's kind of what we have to say about the wide receiver depth. I think. It's a concern for the Alamo Bowl, but I wouldn't say for the 2022 season just yet because we kind of want to see, like I said, who they can add out of 2022. There's still a bunch of uh, you know talented options out there. A lot of guys that didn't sign early. You mentioned Kevin Coleman. Uh, I would I would probably think that he I could see him going to Miami just because he did get out there for a visit, um, you know, right before the the dead period here. So you kind of see that there's some legitimate uh, interest there. And then, like you said, Dylan, with the transfer portal, I think that there's a there's going to be some guys that, that want to, you know, come here to Oregon and, and can really help like Bo Nix is going to provide some veteran presence uh, for that wide receiver room. Oregon Ducks. Thanks for your question. He says, Ty Thompson, Jay Butterfield and Robbie Ashford. Why do we need Bo Nix? Uh, I wouldn't say, so I'll, I'll answer it like this. I don't say, I wouldn't say that you needed Bo Nix, but you needed another quarterback. You just needed to have somebody who, who had some experience, who's played some college ball, because that's really valuable. Um, and it's kind of just like a, a safety net that you can give yourself. Um, because let's say one of these young guys does win the, the starting job. If he gets hurt for whatever reason, you don't have any proven production to turn to. Um, and I'm not saying that that's a deal breaker, but I think that it makes a lot of sense that you'd want to have somebody who's played that college ball. I mean, you look last year at Tyler Shuck winning the job. Um, you know, if he wasn't able to go, you had uh, an experienced guy, a power five starter and Anthony Brown. And I know that he didn't pan out the way that a lot of people wanted him to, but um, you have that similar situation with Nick's as far as having another option to turn to um, who I think has uh, more upside than Anthony Brown. Yeah. I think one reason why so many people are in, I fell into it too. I completely fell into it too, but some people are like, we didn't need another transfer quarterback. Let's just develop what we have. Um, I think it, there's kind of those anomalies with so many quarterbacks and programs that, you know, they bring in a five-star, four-star quarterback, and then they just run with them and they go on to, you know, break records and things like that. And I don't think you can always rely on that. I do think that it's important to, 
have that experience. It, it kind of took me a little bit to kind of agree with that, but I do think it is important to have that experience, especially with, I mean, a game like Georgia coming up and you have some games against Utah um, and U UCLA going up next year. Um, it's not an easy schedule for sure. BYU as well. It's not an easy schedule next year. And I do think that if you want to keep that momentum going, having some experience um, is is really good to have. And I think that his Bo Nix's ceiling is a lot higher than Anthony Brown's. And I think the offense as a whole, I think the ceiling is higher with a quarterback like Bo Nix. But um, in my opinion, I do think Nix is probably the day one starter. Um, I don't think he came to Eugene to be, you know, a bench warmer and a, and a kind of a coach for the young guys. I think he came to, to win the job. I think, especially with cutting, um, you know, Kenny Dillingham coming to town, I think he was assured that he would be the guy. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's just going to be given to him. Like you said earlier, I think he's going to have to earn it or whoever ends up being the quarterback. I think they earn it. So I don't think it's a question of whether we need specifically Bo Nix. I think that experience with a schedule like this, with where the program is with the new coaching staff, I think it's important to have that experience to kind of guide their development. Cause I don't think it's necessarily um, putting Oregon in their development a year back. I've seen some people say that, that, you know, with Ty Thompson and Jay Butterfield and, Ashford that you know it's 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 stalling their development a year and I don't I don't really see that as much I, I do think that given where college football is and the transfer portal I think it's it's not necessarily otherworldly to, to think that way because you know quarterbacks just you know quarterbacks specifically but college athletes really aren't as patient as they used to be um, you know you see those anomalies like Joe Burrow and uh, Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts, Baker Mayfield. I mean, the list goes on where they transfer and go on to be a Heisman finalist or even win the Heisman. Um, and you can always, you know, I think those kind of things set up for quarterbacks to be like, well, if I'm not getting what I deserve or what I think I deserve in a year or two, then, you know, maybe somewhere else is a better fit. So, um, and, you know, I, I do think that with them developing under a quarterback that has that experience and a really gifted mind in Kenny Dillingham, I think that's only going to give, you know, it, like you said, iron sharpens iron. And I think that um, those coaches will respect guys like Ty Thompson and Jay Butterfield and Ashford for, for sticking around and wanting to kind of earn it and just have that challenge. Because I think that down the line, when those guys are maybe up for the NFL draft, I think that scouts will look at that and be like, well, they, they earned it the hard way instead of going to a quarterback needy program and just kind of taking over and, you know, taking what was theirs, where they where there wasn't any competition. So I think getting that starting job over someone like Bo Nix, who's been starting for three years, you know, go out and get it. I mean, if you're Ty Thompson, who's probably going to be the biggest competition for Bo Nix, um, and he's been kind of promised as the future of, of the Oregon Ducks, go get it. I mean, this is your chance to really prove what you're worth. I fully expect there to be a, a whole competition into this. And, you know, a lot of people could read into this move and, and speculate about, oh, he's, you know, he knows Dillingham and, and, you know, why, why wouldn't they, you know, hand him the job or they could see, you know, storylines like that getting thrown out there. But I think we haven't even seen a staff talk about the move. So it's literally all speculation, but I think it only helps you to, to uh, promote an open competition uh, between Nixon and the rest of these freshmen. All right, here, going through the other questions right now. Tay Skywalker, thanks for the comment and question, says, everyone always says the competition is easier in the Pac-12. 
Well, guess what? You have to play an SEC team most likely to win a championship in college football. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. You know, starting your season with Georgia is is not an easy task by any means. Um, but I do think that the competition in the Pac-12 is definitely not as good as that in in the uh, SEC. So I feel like that in itself gives me some confidence that if if a guy like Bo Nix were to be playing uh, for the Ducks next year, uh, if he does win the job and sees the field, then I think that he'll probably have an easier time just because the caliber of talent is is definitely a lot different. But I think that getting that experience for this team against a team like Georgia is, is definitely going to help them because uh, I think that that experience, we saw the same thing happen with the Ohio State game. I think that before things kind of unraveled, uh, obviously against Stanford, you, know, you saw the way that that game came down to the wire for a little bit in the UCLA game. I think that games like that, because you know UCLA had a really good offensive line, really physical up front, Ducks were able to to really take that and lean on that. So it's yeah, the competition is easier in the Pac-12, but if everything goes well, you're ultimately going to end up playing an SEC team in the playoff. Um, so I think having that matchup in the beginning of the season is is only going to be beneficial, pretty much regardless of how the the outcome, how the game shakes out, because you you're taking that chance to schedule a tough team. And um, even if you don't win, I think it still can be a very beneficial experience. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I definitely think that as much as I want to see Oregon develop at one of those young quarterbacks, I think a game like that against a team that, you know, could easily be national champions, reigning national champions coming into that. They're in their home state in a huge, you know, national t- televised um, kickoff game. I don't think it's a game you really play around with you know, your quarterbacks. I don't think it's one where you really take that big of a risk, which is why I said that um, getting Bo Nix was a smart idea. Um and I just think that, you know, he's handled that huge stage before, you know, he's played bowl games. He's like you said, he's taken on Alabama and won. Um, I think what you really need in a game like that is just someone who can manage the offense. You don't need a guy like what Anthony Brown did against Ohio state. You don't need a guy 
that's going to go out there and throw 300 yards and, you know, have a Heisman moment, that kind of thing. You just need a guy who knows the offense, who knows how to handle the tempo, handle the pressure, and just know what to do. You just kind of need a game manager. Um, and of course, you know, if they feel like Ty Thompson or, you know, Jay Butterfield or Robbie Ashford are ready for that, then by all means. But I do think that Bo Nix having that experience against Georgia on that stage is is going to help. But I do, I really agree with your point about um, having that matchup is only going to help because they have so much young talent, regardless of the quarterback position. They have a lot of young talent that's going to come in there and, you know, learn against a lot of NFL guys and, you know, a, a fantastic coaching staff on a huge stage. Toxic uh, Warlord, maybe? WXRLD uh, says, everybody's saying, Ty, y'all forget about Butterfield and Ashford. Yeah, I mean, Ty, I, a lot of the attention really did gravitate towards Ty because he's the highest quarterback recruit to uh, sign with the Ducks uh, in program history. Uh, I did some digging, actually, and uh, Bo Nix was rated higher coming out of high school, like just by an, a hair. So that doesn't really mean anything. But, yeah, I agree that a lot of the attention is going to Ty and that a lot of these other guys are kind of just getting pushed to the side. And, and you know, they, they both played really well in the spring game as when you're talking about Ashford and Butterfield. Butterfield might be have the be the best pure passer on this team. You know, his, his deep ball looks really, really good. Um, I think he's more of that, you know, stand-up prototypical quarterback that you see, the, you know, kind of more of a pro-style guy versus Ashford and Ty, who are a lot more mobile. But Butterfield can still make plays with his feet as well. You know, the guys on the team that I've talked to have, have said as much when they're talking about practice and evaluating what the Ducks have in that quarterback room. And then Ashford, I, I love just the the grit that he plays with. I mean, I, I always think back to that two-point conversion in the spring game that was such a such a great play to see uh you know just see him laying it all out there on the line diving for the pylon um and he had a, a heck of a game i was looking through twitter um but ashford and, and bo Nix actually played each other uh in high school um when ashford was at hoover and uh bo Nix was at pinson valley um i think ashford threw for like four touchdowns and 300 some odd yards so um, kind of cool to have, you know, two Alabama guys, uh, in this quarterback room. I was really surprised that, that Nick's even transferred initially seeing that, you know, he was, uh, an Auburn legacy, um, after I believe it was his dad played quarterback or it was either his dad or his uncle played quarterback for Auburn. Um, so that was kind of just another part of this, but yeah, I totally agree with this comment. I think that, you know, there, there's so much talent here and I think, um, I understand why people want to see these other guys at Oregon get a shot. Um, and I'm, you know, fully of the belief, you know, it's like, if you guys are, if you guys are that good, then then you should be able to, to beat anybody in this competition. And I feel like because Cristobal is out and it's essentially going to be a, a very new offensive staff, I feel like I have a little bit more confidence that it's going to truly be an open competition, but I can see why people would, you know, be a little bit speculative and, um, you know, you see this move happen when it did and you could see why, you know, it's like, oh, well, is there, are they just going to give it to him? But I think that there should be, you know, like I said, a, a fully open competition and, and having a new staff gives me some confidence in that. Yeah. And I think with what Dan Letting has said um, in his press conference, he was talking about how, you know, we're not going to be afraid of, you know, making change. You're not going to be afraid of, you know, being aggressive. And I think that that kind of gives me a little bit more confidence as well. And, you know, not just handing it down to a, a proven starter, but like you said, having an open competition. But 
Um, I, I think one thing that I've been seeing floated around, and I wanted to make sure that when I was mentioning the quarterbacks, I said all three, because I mean, they all have, you know, a lot of talent and a lot of skills. Um, and I don't want to just give one to tie uh, sure. the job to tie. But um, the one thing that I've been seeing a lot is, um, you know, if these three guys were, um, you know, as good as everybody says they are, why didn't they get the job over Anthony Brown? Why didn't they get more reps? And I don't necessarily think it's anything on them. I honestly think that was more of a coaching thing. Um, I think that was Cristobal, Joe Moorhead, just having a huge preference for that experience and um, not really being as willing to change, I think, um, in terms of the offense. So I don't necessarily put that slight on the quarterbacks not being ready, because I do think if you would have put any of them in there, I think they would have produced. Um, I just think that they had this, whether you want to call it blind faith, stubbornness for that experience in Anthony Brown. And, um, you know, he gives us the best chance to win kind of mentality that, um, you know, they just weren't trying to take a risk, I guess, and see what they had with other quarterbacks. So I think with the new coaching staff, with a young offensive coordinator who, um, you know, has experience developing young quarterbacks, I, I do think that you might, it might not be a given that Bo Nix would be the starter. I think if Cristobal and Moorhead were both coming back and Bo Nix came to town, which probably would not happen given, you know, um, you know, with them and, and Dillingham coming to town, I think that was a big part of it. But um, I think if he was to come to town with those two still in Eugene, I think that Bo Nix would have been the clear starter um, from the day he was announced as a transfer because of their um, preference for, for that experience. Definitely. So we had uh, another question here. Um, let's see. Quagtac 49er, which QB or QBs do you anticipate will transfer out now that we have brought in Bo Nix? Yeah. I mean, I can understand why someone would ask this question. I feel like, uh, just the way the roster is composed and because all these guys are so young, it's probably not too crazy to, to think that one of them would transfer at some point. Um, you know, I feel like we probably won't see that until the end of fall camp, right. Or maybe the, the end of spring, at least. I don't want to speculate on guys leaving or, or, you know, give too much credence to that just because um, this news literally just happened. But um, I can see on the outside why someone would think that. But, um, you know, it's college football. It's kind of what happens. You see quarterbacks transfer. Um, but I don't I don't think that we should be talking about as far as who who might leave or something like that, um, because we're still so early in here and there's still a, a lot of time Um to see who ultimately ends up earning the starting quarterback job. But given how college football works, I think that we could see that, uh, you know, some attrition in that regard once we do have uh, the starter for next year. Yeah, I definitely don't want to speculate either. I don't want to say too much, but I do think that the expectation for, um, for quarterbacks in high school coming out of high school and, um, you know, into college is, is definitely really high, especially because of some of the guys that we've seen, like Caleb Williams was another one that, you know, a true freshman came in there and, and tore it up. So, um, you know, they're kind of expected to be the, the future. And if it doesn't go their way, then, you know, you see them enter the transfer portal. But I wouldn't be surprised with these three that if they all stayed and competed. Um, but, you know, that is the name of the game now. And, and bringing in someone like Bo Nix, um, that's a proven starter. It kind of makes it a little more difficult to, to earn that job, especially when, you know, it was an open competition between three guys who had never started a game before. Um so, and, and no one's got the job. I mean, no, they haven't announced it's a starter for 2022. I mean, it's not out there. So, you know, it's, it's anybody's job in my opinion, as it should be. So 
Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of where the beauty of it is, is it's an open competition and everybody's going to make each other better. And it's a challenge for whoever, whoever takes the job, because there's a lot of talent. All right. We have, uh, Jacob says, uh, can you say hi to me? Go Ducks from Cali. What's going on, Jacob? Thanks for tuning into the show. Uh, I'm currently back in California as well, where I'm from. Um, got the Giants hat, go Giants, um, you know, NorCal. So hopefully you're, uh, hopefully you're enjoying the show, man. Thanks for tuning in. James says, for what it's worth, Bo Nix folds in big games, except when Oregon is involved, <laughs> could, could be the magic ingredient. I think that was one of the craziest, uh, you know, storylines within the story is that, you know, obviously his first game at the college level was against Oregon in 2019 in Dallas. Um, that really came down to the wire. Um, they had that big pass uh, towards the end. I want to say it was to Anthony Schwartz, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, that pass, that, that game-winning touchdown pass, that sealed oh, the deal. Seth Williams. Uh, Seth Williams. Okay, I'll, I'll never they, forget, I promise. They just had huge wideouts that year. Um, and I think that, um, you know, it, it's it's smart for teams to add bigger defensive backs to, to kind of counter that. But, yeah, but both him and Schwartz were, were really solid. Um, and, and also, you know, looking at Auburn this year, I think that Brian Harson has broken into the top 10, at least in the SIL American recruiting class rankings. So they're still keeping that, uh, that covered pretty stacked in Auburn, but I don't know. Yeah, man. I mean, I feel like even though the, the decision-making hasn't always been great and, you know, the seasons have kind of been up and down for Bo, I feel like there is that a little bit of that magic there. And, and there's just that, that playmaking aspect on both with both his feet and his arm that make it uh, an appealing move with, with just a lot of upside versus Anthony Brown had that playmaking, but it was really more so just with his feet. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, some people have been talking about, he never really took Auburn to the top of the sec, never really got them into a new year six bowl or anything like that. Um, I wouldn't say it's necessarily all his fault. Um, but I definitely think that, you know, there is, there's some left to be desired. And like I said, I think there's still some potential for him. I don't think he's reached his ceiling yet as a quarterback. And I think coming into Eugene with, you know, this new coaching staff and finally an offensive coordinator where he can kind of go back to what he knows. Uh, I think that's going to help too. And there's so much talent coming back um, and hopefully coming in. So um I, I think the folding in big games thing, the last couple of years, yeah, I've seen that. His freshman year, I think some of those big moments, um, he definitely stepped up. We talked about the Alabama game. You know, he didn't have a huge game, but he did enough in that one to to win over a really, really good Alabama team. Um, and if I remember right, wasn't that the – did Alabama win the championship that year? I'm not I think sure. that was LSU in 2019. Oh, that's right. That's right. You're right. Um, God, that feels like forever ago. But, yeah, right? I do think that um, – you know, the folding in big games thing, um, you know, and, and that was kind of something I heard about Anthony Brown, too. I mean, not like there's a whole lot of huge games to to come from at Boston College, but, um, you know, there, there's just not a lot of um, huge games to be played when, um, you know, there's not as much talent at Auburn as there is with Alabama and LSU and Georgia. I just feel like there is a little bit of a disadvantage when you have so many different offensive coordinators. The offensive line was never very good thought the play calling was a little suspect the last couple of years injuries. So um, I definitely want to see him step up more. I'm not saying, you know, he's completely uh, not to blame for that, but I don't think it's all his fault um, necessarily. Gotcha. All right. Another, um, 
another question from James that I think is a good one that is on people's minds. Maybe we say open competition, but if Nick's wins the job, will his fan base ever be able to believe that it was actually open? What do you, what do you think about that Dylan? Because uh, I feel like we heard that last year going into this, into the 2021 season. I say last year already, but we're still in it. Um, but we heard that last year, you know, for the most part about it being a, a, a close competition and, and a lot of people kind of expected it to be the, the Ty Thompson show. He was the number two guy when the organizational chart got released. Um, but I think it's a legitimate question. But at the same time, I feel like it might be a little bit unfair to be asking that because it is a new staff. So we we just don't know kind of, I don't know, how much what they're saying is going to correlate to what we ultimately see on the field, right? Yeah, and I think that, you know, with the history of college football, especially in recent years with the transfer portal and, and guys coming in, you don't really see a whole lot of times when, you know, an experienced quarterback, an experienced starter comes in and doesn't earn the starting job, especially at a Power 5 program that, um, you know, there's a, kind of a revolving door at quarterback. Um, I, I think that it's it's safe. It's, it's honestly, you know, not a bad question to ask, but it's um, – it's kind of going off of, like you said, the, the other coaching staff that's no longer here. Um, and so you can't really go back off of that as much. I think with the new coaching staff, um, it will be open. I, I do believe it will be. Um, I do think that the other three quarterbacks will be at a disadvantage somewhat because of Dillingham's connection to to Bo Nix. And they've spent a whole year together and that kind of thing. I think that makes it tougher um, without a doubt easily. So um but I don't think that it's it's a shoe in that Bo Nix is the starter either. I mean, there have been occasions where, um, I mean, look at look at Sam Neuer going to Oregon State. He had a really good year at Colorado. He came in as the day one starter, and after one week, I think he was done. Um, and Chance Nolan was the starter. Um, so I mean, that's that's one instance out of you know a lot of others that you know starting quarterbacks come in and and then earn the starting job elsewhere right away. So. Yeah, I do expect Bo Nix to be the day one starter, given his experience and, um, you know, his connection with Dillingham. I, I think it's pretty safe to say that, but uh, I don't think the fan base should necessarily be against the coaching staff or the philosophy for, for him being the starter. I think he's a capable starter, um, but I do worry that if he's the starter um, and he doesn't play well, but they stick with him, kind of like what we saw with Anthony Brown, then I'd get a little bit worried about you know where those transfer or the the young quarterbacks heads are at if maybe the transfer portal becomes an option um i don't know it's, it's a little early to speculate on how the season will go because bo nix hasn't even you know had a photo shoot in a ducks uniform yet it's all photoshop right now so um as i like to say so it's it's tough to ask that question um will they ever be able to believe that was actually open um i don't know because last year with anthony brown he wasn't announced till what late, very late in fall camp, like less than a week before the Fresno state game. So you like to think it was open that whole time, but I never really was convinced that it was. So we'll have to see how the spring goes and the fall goes and where the coaching staff's heads at. But um, if I had to guess, it would be Bo Nix. And um, I, I think it's safe to say that he would be the starter, but obviously there's a lot of talent to go around. I think it could be anybody's job, um, but experience is, is definitely something that, coaches will rely on especially when it's a new head coaching staff you don't want to take too many risks um especially in a conference and with a schedule like Oregon has plenty of time to see what ultimately ends up happening spring football fall camp uh, so yeah we don't know who's going to be the quarterback just yet but that's what we got to cover it and watch it all unfold 
Uh, you talked about him not having a photo shoot in an Oregon uniform yet. How do we feel about him being number 10 in that uh, commitment edit? Will he wear number 10 in Eugene? How do people feel about that? Justin Herbert wore number 10 at Oregon. What do we think about Bo Nix maybe wearing number 10? I don't know. I feel like some people might be like, hey, that's kind of uh, kind of sacred ground, especially with Herbie being a Eugene native. Yeah, I, I'm not loving it. I actually didn't really think that right away. Um, I wasn't until I, I went on Twitter and saw people were complaining about that. I had to go back and look like, oh, yeah, he was wearing number 10. I didn't even notice. Um, but, yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not one that's like we should retire a number 10 kind of thing. Um you know, I, I definitely think that Herbert is, is definitely a sacred Oregon player. You know, he, he grew up in Eugene, was an Oregon fan, uh, kind of lived the the Eugene kid um, dream. But, um, you know, retiring jerseys in, in college is super, super rare, given how many guys are on the roster. You only have so many numbers to go around. So um, I don't think they'd ever retire it. It's, it's such a... Um, it's such a rare thing to talk about. I think if they were to retire one, it would be number eight, given Mariota's success and the Heisman and um, you know, the, the heights that they hit with him, but I'm not all for it. Um, I think it's a little soon to have another quarterback come in and take that, especially because Bo Nix beat Justin Herbert a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, ah, I don't, I'm not all for that. So I, I'd probably say st- go with something else. Um, yeah. I'm not, I'm not loving the number 10 now that I noticed it. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's different. I'm not a fan of that as much as, um, cause I thought it looked cool. I thought the graphic looked cool, but until I noticed that was Herbert's number, I'm like, um, I have to try something else to to win over the Oregon fan base. That's already uh, already kind of prejudiced because of that game a couple of years ago. Well, look at number eight with with Marcus Mariota. You know, Maliki Matavau is wearing that this year, and uh, I remember our Nick Batty was was you know looking for a, a hero story about that um, because you know he's probably even more revered than Herbert was um, just with the look at the time he was at Oregon, how he was here with Chip Kelly, and when that they really revolutionized college football. Mm-hmm. made a national championship appearance. And uh, Matavau, it was funny, he was saying that it kind of just fell into his lap, like there wasn't really a whole big discussion about it. Um, so I feel like he, the you know, number 10 would be an option, but I agree it is a little soon to, to see another quarterback wear a number 10. Yeah, I think it's, I do think it's different with Matavau and, you know, because he's a tight end. When it's a quarterback, I think it's a little bit different. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see, what, we'll see what happens there because quarterback's obviously such a big position. Want to get to Dave, uh, David's David Taylor's uh, comment here. Thanks for the comment. Oregon took a chance on youth with their coaching staff. Staff could be open to a young quarterback. Uh, have to legit win the job, though. What, you want to take that, Dylan? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I mean, Kenny Dillingham's only 31. Um, Dan Lanning, I believe, is 35. Um, not not usually something that you talk about with Oregon. You know, the last few years, Cristobal was, I believe, late 40s. Chip Kelly was late 40s, I think, too. Um 51. So, yeah. I think Mario, Mario is 51. Yeah. So I do think that, um, you know, that's, that's a really good point. And I think that, um, you know, when Dillingham was the offensive coordinator, at Auburn, Bo Nix was, a, I believe, a true freshman um, as a, as a starter. So um, yeah, that kind of gives me hope. Um, but like I said, I, I'm just saying that I assume Bo Nix will be the starter given how, um, you know, the schedule is, I, I'm not expecting a freshman, no one that's, you know, not started a game to go out there against Georgia week one. Um, that would kind of scare me and excite me at the same time. Kind of a weird <laughs> feeling there. Scary um, excited. Yeah. But I, I, you know, I think the youth at the, um, at the coaching staff and Dillingham's uh, experience with freshman quarterbacks, really young quarterbacks, that gives me a lot of hope because um, Jordan Travis at Florida State had a very similar year to Bo Nix's freshman year. 
Jordan Travis was kind of, you know, there was a lot of concern about him because he wasn't really playing as well. But when Dillingham came in, I think Jordan Travis played well, very similar numbers. Um, you know, I think the touchdown to interceptions and completion was almost identical when Dillingham was in town. So um, I'm, I'm excited for uh, the quarterback battle. I hope it's not just given to Bo Nix. Like they come out and say in the spring, yeah, he's our starter. Um, Cause I, I really, I really want to see the, the young quarterbacks. There's as much talent in this quarterback room um, as there's really ever been. So um, I, I, I'm torn towards, um, you know, Ty Thompson and Butterfield and Ashford because those guys are so talented. And I think they could all really bring that explosiveness to the Oregon offense. And Bo Nix hasn't really shown as much of that explosion. Um, and I know Dan Lanning's talked about we want to be explosive. We want to be aggressive. Dillingham has always been very aggressive as a play caller. So, um, you know, hopefully if Bo Nix is the starter, then, you know, he'll take over and he'll kill it and the offense will be explosive like we've like, you know, Oregon fans have wanted to see for for a bit. I think that's an, another big point. Just look at the quarterbacks that, that Oregon's pulling from now and the talent that they have in that room. You know, in years past, it's been the quarter, like, you know, the starter. And then they've even found themselves turning to former walk-ons, you know, after mm-hmm. um, after Vernon Adams got hurt in the Alamo Bowl. I think it was Taylor Alley who took over or Jeff Lockie. You know, not not really high-profile guys. And now you're turning to, to you know, former five-stars and, and All-Americans. But it's, you know... I could see some fans saying, well, that's great and all, but if they're not playing, why do I care about that? So they're yeah. all very valid points and we're getting a lot of, you know, different thoughts. I've seen people that are excited about the Bonex edition. Some people are kind of uh, in that last bar- ballpark, like I mentioned, like, you know, what about having the young guys play? We might see, you know, Bonex play against Georgia and then we see some shakeup from there. Um, I think, cause that's just, that's such a big game for the program, obviously, and not to say the other ones aren't, but it definitely gets a lot softer as far as your schedule goes after that with Eastern Washington and, and BYU also on the non-conference schedule. So I think that that's uh, a scenario that we we might see as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. I do think that, and I don't want to butt in here if you were going to go to another question, but uh, um, I do think that one thing that needs to be said more in college football and can never be said enough is that stars aren't everything. Right. Bo Nix was five star, highly touted. Ty Thompson, five star. Um, that shouldn't put them above Butterfield and Ashford alone. I mean, obviously, you know, they get those five stars for a reason. There's a lot of talent. I get that. But at the same time, look at Marcus Mariota and Justin Herbert. Those guys were what, three stars, two stars coming out of high school. Um, and there have been plenty of other, you know, diamonds in the rough, if you should say, with that Oregon has has developed because like Chip Kelly wasn't known for being a great recruiter. You know, he wasn't bringing in five stars all the time, but there are a lot of those three stars, four stars that ended up being quality starters on some really good teams uh, for a long time. So, um, you know, don't get discouraged if, you know, it's not a five-star guy, you know, if, you know, if Ashford or Butterfield are the, are the starting quarterback, you're like, well, it could have been Ty because he's a five-star. Like that's not, that shouldn't be the reason why he gets the job or Bo Nix was a five-star. He shouldn't be the reason why, um, you know, it should just be on what they do with the program, how they, you know, come along with the coaching staff and the teammates and the playbook. Like it's, it's all those things. That's not just, you know, the stars. Yeah. Star stars aren't everything. And uh, I mean, one could say they, they go away once you get to the college level, cause you know, you got to put the pads on and, and oh, yeah. uh, compete against the guy next to you. This is another comment that I liked. Just wanted to bring it up with the new coaching staff. I doubt they start next based on experience alone. I think that that's, you know, it's, it's a good point. I think that it's, it's just one of the factors that's in play here. And, and I hope that I'm not, I don't want to say, so I think experience is incredibly valuable and that's essentially why 
I, those are the two biggest things about why I like this move. You add an experienced guy to the quarterback room and you add someone with a high ceiling. But I totally agree with this comment. I don't think that's why that's your sole reason for starting him. And there's going to be a lot that goes into the evaluation process with that as far as who ultimately ends up winning the job. Had a question from Gary that I wanted to put up here. Will adding Bo Nix create an issue for Oregon to try and get another higher rated QB in the 2023 recruiting class? Um that, that is another thing that we haven't really talked about here, Dylan, is that in the past we've seen Oregon go with one-year rental quarterbacks. You look at Dakota Prukov, you look at Vernon Adams. Those guys had drastically different fates and, uh, you know, careers in Eugene. It couldn't be any more different. You know, Prukov was a disaster, and then Vernon Adams had Oregon knocking on the door of a, of a playoff again. Um, who knows if they they don't – they maybe they make it to the playoffs if he uh, – you know, doesn't get hurt against Michigan State. I know that was a, a crazy game. I kind of want to watch those highlights. That's one I haven't watched in a long time. Um, but Bo Nix has two years of eligibility left. You have the COVID year, so he played in 19, 20, and 21. So the 20 year doesn't count. So he's essentially only played two seasons from an eligibility perspective. But I don't think that this is going to affect them in 2023. Um, but the 2023 class is really important. It's probably fair to say that they're not going to get another quarterback in 22, I would assume, just because they already have so much youth on the roster. If you want to consider Bo Nix as a 2022 guy, technically, um, I think that's how transfers kind of shake out in the recruiting class. But they, they should still go for a – they're still going to go for a highly rated guy in 23, I bet. And um, that's going to be really the the – That'll allow us to really gauge and evaluate uh, landing and the staff's recruiting prowess because that's going to be their first full class um, with all of their guys in Eugene. So I don't, I mean, I can see how on the surface it can maybe, you think maybe it can make it a little bit tough because he has two years of eligibility. But I mean, a lot of the times guys come in as quarterbacks and they end up waiting a year because it is so difficult to have guys that, uh, are so good that they can't miss guys and and you just can't keep them off the field as true freshmen. I mean, some of the I look at Caleb Williams at Oklahoma right now. I mean, he he didn't start the year. It was Spencer Rattler, and then Rattler got benched because Riley had to make that tough decision. So that happened there. But then Bryce Young this year, this year's Heisman winner, he didn't start last year. He he redshirted because everybody was giving him the keys to the offense when Mac Jones was doing nothing but putting in work and just doing everything he could to, to better his situation and uh, put himself in a good spot to succeed. And he ended up winning the job. So it's, it's so tough to, to get a quarterback that is truly can't miss and that will play at a super high level as a freshman. And I think that the 2023 guy um, is going to want to compete as a freshman, obviously, but I don't think that that's going to Nix's addition shouldn't necessarily deter those guys from coming to Oregon. Yeah. And I don't think it should deter the, the coaching staff from recruiting quarterbacks either. Um, especially with all the other talent, because I know Dan Lanning was talking about how when he was at Georgia, sometimes, you know, the quarterback position gets a little overstaffed based on, you know, or compared to how many guys you can actually play. Um, and so I, I don't think it's a great idea to have, you know, four or five quarterbacks. Um, you know, of course they have scout team quarterbacks as well, but, um, you know, four or five quarterbacks kind of in the fold. Um, Cause I know Tanner Bailey transferred as well. I don't think a 2022 quarterback um, is probably likely. And of course, because of the talent, it's not a priority. They have a lot of other shoes to fill. And next year, there'll be other guys that enter the draft and, um, you know, all kinds of things will happen as well. So, um, yeah, I definitely think that it shouldn't deter anybody from trying to bring Oregon quarterbacks or quarterbacks to Oregon in that 2023 class, because they've already talked to quite a few of them. 
um, or at least the last coaching staff did. Um, Cause I know you and I were talking to a lot of quarterbacks that were at SNL and um, you know, taking visits like that. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what that recruiting philosophy looks like. Cause really it's, it's all up in the air. I mean, all we've seen that they've done is, is flip Anthony Jones uh, on signing day. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. It's been a little quiet on the recruiting trail, but I think that'll pick up with time here. You know, you look at a, a one guy that I think they're in a great spot for in, in 2023 is one of those SNL visitors that I talked to that we kind of mentioned here is um, Notre Dame high school quarterback, Javance uh, Tupuata Johnson. Hopefully I, I said that all right. He's another Southern California guy, really important for Oregon to uh, stay in the Southern California area um, from a recruiting standpoint. But we're kind of, um, we are kind of winding down here on this episode of the pod. Um Anything else that you kind of wanted to add here, whether it is with Bo Nix or with Oregon football, um, anything else going on um, with the Ducks that you kind of wanted to hit on before we get out of here? Well, I definitely think that uh, um, Bo Nix is happy that he's not in the SEC anymore because, you know, Georgia's recruiting is still going up, up and away. Alabama is not going away. Texas A&M's recruiting is going nuts. Um, So I feel like, you know, he's in a pretty good spot with, with Oregon. Um, and I definitely think that he's got a chance to, if he is the starter, he's got a chance to really put up some numbers and hopefully bring that explosion and aggressiveness back to, to Oregon. But I, I like where Oregon's at. Honestly, I think there's a lot of youth and a lot of innovation that's going to come around. Um, you know, it, we're at a point where, you know, obviously Oregon's kind of had a, a streak of, you know, there's a new offensive coordinator or there's a new defensive coordinator. Now there's a new head coach. Like it seems like they've been on that, trail for a while where they have to have a new system in place, you know, every year at, at some area and now it's all over. So um, kind of rebuilding the coaching staff, not necessarily the program, but just the coaching staff, you know, I, I kind of like what the possibilities are. And then just looking more towards in the media future here um, in the Alamo bowl, uh, Brian McClendon was saying that there's no, no uh, plans right now to make a QB change. So we'll have to see, uh, you know, on game day who ultimately ends up starting. But we're being told that it's going to be Anthony Brown in the Alamo Bowl against the Oklahoma Sooners. And then looking at next year, I think that we talked about the receivers already. I mean, I think there's talented guys there, but there's not a lot of proven depth. Um, kind of like we've seen with the the quarterback room. You know, you got guys looking forward to Dante Thornton, Troy Franklin, Chris Hudson, Isaiah Croker. I think that there's guys that have a ton of potential. Troy Franklin and Dante Thornton have already flashed a lot of that, as well as Chris Hudson. So they definitely want to add some guys in the 2022 recruiting class, and I think that'd be a position for them to target in the transfer portal. But look at the running back stable, the stable of running backs, rather. Uh, C.J. Verdell could come back. I mean, he's been injured a lot, so I don't know if it makes a lot of sense for him to come back, but he could come back if he wants to. Travis Dye has had two really good seasons. Um, He really kind of got swept under the rug in 2020, I think, just because of the pandemic. But um, then that was one of the things that Jim Mastro told me when I asked him about die in fall camp was he was just producing an unreal clip and he's a super effective receiver. And then uh, I, it doesn't sound like we're going to be seeing Sean dollars this year, which is a bummer. Um, you know, we were told that it was maybe looking like late, no, mid to late November and we still haven't heard anything new about him, but he will he's another guy to keep an eye on. Trey Benson, we hardly saw any of. Carwell looks like he's the next guy. Uh, and then Seven McGee, uh, really, really big for Lanning to, to talk to him and and uh, Don Johnson as well uh, to get him to, to stay in Eugene and, and ultimately ride things out. But that running back room could be crazy. Offensive line should be solid. 
tons of proven guys at a uh, tight end as well. Seeing um, guys like DJ Johnson and then the two freshmen Ferguson and Matavao uh, and then Spencer Webb as well. So I think it's a really good situation for whoever ends up being the quarterback um, right now. And I think that that speaks a lot to how the roster has been constructed and, and built out by Cristobal and staff while he was, um, while he was here in Eugene. Yeah. I think if, you know, if Verdell comes back, you know, obviously he's a very proven running back and he only provide experience for still some of those young guys, but um, you know, I, I kind of expect him to go to the NFL. I think that he's shown what he can do at the college level. I think, um, you know, there's not a whole lot much more to prove for him. Um, to be honest. So I think Travis Dye is, I believe he said he's coming back. Uh, I think when they asked him about like the senior day stuff before the Oregon state game, he said, I'm not, um, I'm not going to be on that. Um, so I, I assume he's coming back, but uh, Byron Cardwell, I'm very, very excited for, I think he's going to have a huge year next year. And hopefully we kind of see that trap, you know, the Travis Dye, CJ Verdell duo um, with Dye and Cardwell next year. But um, I, I hope to see some of those other guys too. And the one thing that excited me a little bit about, um, you know, Auburn's offense with, um, you know, Dillingham was they kind of ran like a, it was like 60% rush versus 40% pass rush, uh, roughly about that. Um, and they had a lot of talent at running back with Tanks Bigsby and uh, Tank Bigsby. And I forget the other guy's name. I think it was uh, Booby Whitlow, I believe was his name, uh, his freshman mm-hmm. year. So uh, yeah, I, I think that the run game will be a, a definitely a big part of it. You know, we've talked a lot about the quarterbacks and the receivers, but yeah, that's a really good point. Don't forget about the running backs because they'll they'll be back, and that run game is going to be really really good with the offensive line mostly coming back too. Got to see what happens with uh, Verdell and Die, like we mentioned, as far as their NFL draft decisions go. Um, yeah, that that's all we have for this one here on the the Duck Stage podcast. You know, where can people find more of you, Dylan? Yeah, so you can find me at DRK Sports News on Twitter. Um, I'm on there all the time, tweeting about who knows what. Um, and I'm tweeting at tportalcfb as well. You can find us at the transferportalcfb.com. We're pumping out bowl articles, bowl preview articles for every single bowl game. It's crazy. I did myself a little bit too much there um, with all that work going on. But uh, it's really exciting. And obviously, you can find me at Ducks Digest as well, um, posting stuff on there as well. You guys are, are going crazy with the bowl season at the Transfer Portal. So definitely check them out over there. Um, and then if you want to find more of me, you can find you can follow me on Twitter at the name right there on your screen at mtaurus sports. Um, if you guys are watching here in the live show, uh, kindly ask that you do me a favor and go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, that little red rectangle on your screen. It's only, uh, it only takes a second out of your day and uh, it's free and it really helps me. And then you can also find more Oregon Ducks content on ducksdigest.com. Also sign up for the free Ducks Digest newsletter. And uh, we're just, we're going to keep rolling here. You know, a lot of stuff's going on. We're going to have bowl coverage, recruiting coverage. Um, there's more basketball is ramping up as, you know, football kind of winds down in Eugene. So uh, that's all we have for this episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, if we don't see you before then, hopefully everyone has a happy holiday season and a, and a Merry Christmas. But that's all we have for this one, guys. Thanks for watching. Take care.